Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. We're doing another morning recording, so if our voices sound lower than normal, it's not because we smoked a pack of Marbles before we came on. It's because of the time. Speak for yourself. (laughs) Yes, I'm so sure. (laughs) Yeah, right. You have, like, the biggest aversion to smoking. I know. I'm a fuddy-duddy. I don't let anybody have any fun with drugs and nicotine and booze. <laughs> no, I know. Don't. I get it. I got it. Great. That makes it sound like, oh, I'm out there like doing wild stuff, but you won't let me. <laughs> no, you just, Jason just has this weird twisted sense of like, it's not justice. It's like a moral code. And he thinks everyone should live to his exact moral code because of the experiences he's gone through. But the problem is, no one else had those same experiences but Jason. I'm not saying it's it's right. Okay, it's just, <laughs> or it's just logical. what it is. It's just what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, it's fine. Keeps you out of trouble, keeps me out of trouble. True. My, my stringent moral code. It's like the Superman of moral codes. What? An alien that likes the sun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't i i don't love superman as a superhero i gotta say everybody can get mad at me but i think he's kind of a ween he's like the uh dc version of captain america that's kind of how i look at him which i don't like captain america that much either and and don't get me wrong like the actors that they have had currently playing both captain america and superman big fans of huge fans um however the actual entities themselves no like Superman, like he's not even human; he's an alien. Yeah, but you got Thor, who's like a Norse god. Like it's the same kind of thing. Uh, made up characters, made yeah, up things that aren't real. I also real. feel like the thing about Thor is that he has like these natural foibles, like all kind of characters in mythology do, that make them in many ways seem much more human. Which I don't feel that way about Captain America and Superman. Yeah, well, Captain America is a saint. But we can move on from this. Yeah, but that's why I prefer Bucky Barnes. Captain America is a national treasure. Oh, my gosh. I don't care if he's a national treasure. He's a dweeb. You stop speaking ill of Captain America. I like Chris Evans. Don't have a problem with that, dude. <laughs> Captain America. I just... he's, he's, uh, Chris Evans is probably not a saint. <laughs> <laughs> not from what I've seen, no. And that's okay. That's why I actually like him. That's why I don't like Captain America. Like, you just, you can't relate to somebody that is always that good, always self-sacrificing. And I realize that we want that, I think, in heroic characters. But I also feel like we're getting to the point where where we're like, that's great for them to be this hero, but how can anyone else possibly relate to that? And I feel like that's what's important about superheroes, is that people see a little bit of themselves in the superhero, but yet also their good deeds and so it's wanting you to become better if the standard of perfection is too high then people just give up and say why bother i mean i'm so close to captain america maybe oh that's gosh, why stop. I, I like him so much i'm getting like real literary about this we want to talk about like heroic archetypes i'm there i'm there no, we, but we don't want to talk about that <laughs> it's like steer away steer away don't let Katie talk about anything she thinks is interesting this is a board game podcast we've already derailed long enough I know, you're right. I should have just been said, let's go right to crowdfunding because nobody wants to hear me ramble. This week, I only have two Kickstarters just because 
want to at least throw you, you a little games played because I felt I personally felt bereft when Jason cut that out of last week's episode. Um, but we're still trekking with our top 100 games of all time. So we want to give time to those 10 games. So the first one, I actually, I guess maybe this is cheating, but it's two games in one Kickstarter campaign. So I feel like it totally works. And those games are Dandelions and Psychic Pizza Deliverers Go to Ghost Town. Yes, that is the name. It's a great name. It's one of the best board game names ever. Both these games are coming from BoardGameTables.com, which I always think is hilarious when I talk about them producing games. And I actually like quite a few of their games. Um, They've done On Tour, Mountain Goats. um, Sequoia. Sequoia. There's some other ones that I don't like, but those ones I do like. Um, And Dandelions is kind of in the same universe the same mold i guess as like some of those smaller yeah. games Sequoia, the same art. yeah um mountain goats especially it's kind of similar to that so dandelions is a little dice rolling game so you've got 11 dice that you're rolling at the beginning of your turn and then once you well at the at the beginning of the game really and then those 11 that you roll right then are what you use for the next 11 rounds So that kind of places the game. And you're using those dice to kind of move around these little gardens to get as many points as you can and keep other people from getting those better points. So kind of like Mountain Goats, where you're you're jockeying for position to get points. The artwork is really cute. It looks really simple. I like these little um, like dice rolling games from them because they're so easy to teach um they're nice little filler games you can play it once and and move on to maybe something heavier or if everybody likes it you can play it several times in a row and not get tired of it because it's like a quick easy fun little kind of game of chance um with a little bit of extra kind of gamer function uh, so the second game is totally different. And both these games were originally Japanese games. And so board game tables kind of, they tried to keep them very close to the original and just smooth them out a little bit and bring them to the um, English market. So the second one is Psychic Pizza Deliverers Go to the Ghost Town, which is hilarious. That is the original game. So, so funny. Uh, this original game title, I mean. So in it, you have one person who is the mayor of this ghost town. And you are psychic pizza deliverers trying to deliver your pizza through this town. It's dark, though, so you can't see where you're going. And only the mayor knows what's on the map. Um, so you have to figure out how to get through this town to deliver your pizza. Um, well, not like... F- falling into wormholes, running into ghosts or fences. And as you move around, the mayor is kind of giving you these little like route check-ins saying what's around you. Um, So you can try to figure out, it's like a puzzle, how you can get through this town. I don't know that I quite understand it, but I am super intrigued by this. I think it sounds really fun. The artwork is cute, like cartoonish with these little these adorable kind of looking like kid pizza deliverers um and these little like tokens that you use if you're the mayor on the board to put little ghosties down and places for people to walk i think it's adorable i i'm kind of excited what's even better 
So if you're interested in dandelion simple roll kind of movement kind of game, or you think, why wouldn't you want a game that's about psychic pizza, psychic pizza deliverers? There's six days left on this Kickstarter, but if you want to get both, it's only 46 bucks. Like seriously, I think that's great. Oh yeah, the price on this one is amazing. When this one hit Kickstarter, I clicked the little heart icon because I didn't want to forget about it because this is one that I'm considering backing because I think the pizza game <laughs> just seems hilarious. I watch some videos. It's silly and stupid fun, but it looks enjoyable. So this may be one that I, I back. Yeah, now if you want to get them a la carte, um, Danny Lyons is $17 by itself and Psychic Pizza Deliverers Go to Ghost Town is actually 34 so still reasonable, but both for 46 is like a super good deal. So if you're interested, check the Kickstarter out. Again, six days left on that one by the time this podcast drops. The next one that I have, so I technically have squeezed three games into this Kickstarter crowdfunding new segment, um, is a game that I don't, it just sounds, I love the title and I love the concept of this game. And the game is called Don't Cross Agatha. Which, if you've got any of you Marvel fans out there, totally makes me think of Scarlet Witch. In this game, you're competing in this city, a village vegetable growing competition. So already, interesting setup, right? This is like the village fair here. And you want your vegetables to be the shiniest, the biggest, the heaviest. The thing is... Also in your village is the witch Agatha, and she hates to lose, and if she loses, she will curse you and turn you into a toad. So the idea in this game is to win the village competition, but not beat Agatha. So you want to come in second place. And I always find that you think, oh, second place is easy. I always come in second place and play games. Yeah, it's not always that easy when you're trying for second place. So you've got, car it's a card game, and you're playing cards to increase your vegetables. You've also got different characters that you can play as that give you your own kind of player powers. Um, you can play cards on your own to modify, improve your vegetables, or attack other people's vegetables. Um, and other action cards that allow you to, that like affect people on the table, like you can set loose an angry bull that will destroy someone's vegetable, or you can lay some trap cards down on top of the vegetables, maybe that people want, or, um, react to cards that people play on you. Um, and then there's these Agatha cards that are these really powerful spells that she plays throughout the game. And that kind of is also your like timer mechanism, because once all four of her spells have been played, the game ends, which I think is really like, then. so there's an interesting of, ooh, how many Agatha cards have played? Am I going to hold on to this? Because you want to make sure you're not ahead of Agatha when the game's over. Or what if someone's going to play an Agatha card, you know, to end it, which I think is super interesting. Um, so... You can also play games, play cards on Agatha so that her vegetables will be better than yours. If you get too far ahead, there's like all this really interesting strategic kind of decisions that you can make with the cards and the card play. I just think that sounds interesting. Like, how crazy is that? So really simple as far as card play goes, but you're trying to be second. Um, so there's 11 days left in that Kickstarter. 
if you're interested, check it out. If you get into, if you, there's still, we're about 20, last time I checked, 20 early bird backer spots left. So that game, the game would be $17. But even if you don't get those early bird spots, the card game's only 20 bucks. So that's Don't Cross Agatha. Yeah, this one does seem funny. Too bad you don't win if you're in last place. I may have a shot then. Yes, well. <laughs> you won some games the other night when we played. It doesn't happen very often, but I do like the concept of not getting first place and being the winner. Like I mentioned to you earlier, there was that uh, one game at, at Origins or Gen Con where you have to be second or second to last to be the winner. And yeah, I think that's a, a that really list. clever idea. No, I need to Google it because it seems really cool. But it's that same kind of concept where yeah. you don't want to be too good, but you don't want to be too bad, and then you're going to win. I just think that's cool. I, I agree. I probably would not do well at this game because... Because you're always I, awesome. I am always awesome. I just can't contain my awesomeness to get second place. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's what I have for news and crowdfunding this week. All right, so we're going to talk about one game that we played because I'm with Katie. It felt a little weird to not have a games played section. So we're going to have a game played section. So at least we get to hear about something. And one of the game, the one game we're going to talk about this week is called Cloud Age. And it's from Capstone. And it's from designer Alexander Fister and a co-designer. I'm not sure the co-designer's name. Sorry about that. But what you're doing in this game is you are taking on the, you're taking control of this like, zeppelin type thing and you're trying to fly around this map going and fighting in cities to try to get bonuses ultimately to end the game with the most points you're going to be trying to build buildings you're going to be trying to upgrade your zeppelin so it can move farther and attack better everything you upgrade is going to be worth points you're trying to complete these secret mission cards that you have and you're the way that you're doing all that is through this really interesting card mechanism where you're going to draw two cards from your deck the lowest card is either going to give you um, a lightning bolt or another building card. Well, lightning bolts is energy, which is how you do a lot of things. And then the higher number card is going to be how much you can move around the map. So you're trying to hopefully have better cards as you go on because you're going to be drafting some cards through this other phase to make it so you're always going to have good cards in your deck. So there's a little bit of deck building. Uh, it, it's an interesting game. Terrible description. Sorry, Katie can fill in, but yeah, it's interesting. So... What did you think about Cloud Age? So the co-designer for this is Arno Steinwender. Oh, yeah. I would have never remembered that. <laughs> yeah. I just knew his first name was start with an A. Um, you know, I, I think the actual mechanics of the gameplay weren't too bad. I liked it. Um, I don't know if I like it enough to own it, but I like it enough to play it again. There are some other parts to it that I don't know that I quite understand how... Um, as you go on, you can almost play like a, a campaign type thing. And yeah, I think from, from what Chris was saying, I think it's basically just changing the board layout and it's going to give you that like little book card that we were using. Yeah. It's going to make those a little more interesting. That's what it seemed like. The, the board's going to be more interesting and the goal cards, you'll get more of those and just a little more depth to it, I think. I just think they should have just made that the game. Really, because the, actually, I, I like this phase of the game. It felt like they were pretty simple, um, pretty straightforward. I would have loved more in-game goals, partially because I'm terrible at making in-game points, but I really shine at in-game goals. 
Um, so I kind of, I, I think there's a possibility for multiple paths to victory. Just we played the basic setup. Um, and I think it might grow as you use the other parts that are there in the game. Um, but it did have like you know, those little cute um, airship meeples and, um, you know, lots of different ways you can decide, oh, I'm going to build these these type of upgrades to my ship or I'm going to build these type of cards. Um, and, and I like that you kind of had your own choices of where you wanted to go um, as, as far as like what you wanted to do to get points. I would like that to, to see that grow even more. But I, I, I did enjoy it. Looking at the box art, I would never pick it myself, but that's probably true of almost every game that our friend Chris brings over. So <laughs> I'm trying to overcome that. Fister games look pretty terrible too anyway. So Yeah, I don't know that. how I feel about Fister games, but this one was, was not bad. Uh, one thing that I forgot to mention is there's two phases of the game effectively. There's the moving around and then there's a a phase where everybody gets to pick an action on this action board that's going to let you build buildings. But the cool thing about this is when you're gathering resources, there are these cards that you're basically going to win to get into your deck to make your deck better. But the cards are obscured by clouds. So you don't know how much of each resource is on this card. You're trying to look at this picture that's on the card to see what area you think is bigger, where the bonuses are, but you're never really sure. And I think that mechanism is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so so ultimately you're picking a spot and hoping, you know, is this three spot or is this just happen to be a one spot? And then, <laughs> you know, see what happens. So that that's kind of neat. And I, that would be cool to see in some other games because I thought it was fun. But yeah, it, it's not necessary. It's just a cool way to do resource collection. Yeah. I liked it. I would definitely play it again. I like this game probably more than you because I like Fister a lot. And I would definitely like to play it with not the scenario one. So like actually part of the campaign that makes the game probably what the game's supposed to be. That would be cool, I think. Yeah. All right. So that is the game we played. We will move on. All right, so we are continuing our top 100 with this week's episode, um, and we are just kind of getting started. So last week, you heard just the first part of our top 100, and this week, we get into numbers 90 to 81. And actually, after last week's disaster of Jason's list, he decided to fix it. (laughs) So there has been some rearranging. There were some hanging chads. And I think Jason's list might actually reflect his true board gaming interests this time. (laughs) Yeah, it's much much better. (laughs) Meanwhile, I can follow simple instructions and my list will be the same. I was looking at my number one. I was like, "Why is Cards Against Humanity my number one?" I had to go. Yeah. I had to go fix it. It was bad. We haven't even played that in the last year. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna start with our number ninety. Jason, give us your new and improved list, please. <laughs> All right. So just to clarify, some of the numbers that I did last week were actually in the correct spot when I reran my list. So I had to change about six of them out. But outside of that, the list is now much better. So uh, my number 90 is a game that we just picked up this year, I think. Our friend brought it over, and I liked it, and I wanted to get it. And it's called Cubitos. It's from AEG. And this is just a simple little push-your-luck, dice-rolling, racing game. You're um, buying different kinds of dice that have different abilities, um, and you're trying to be the first person to make it around this map to the finish line. If multiple people make it to the finish line, whoever makes it past the farthest is the winner. That's effectively the game. There's different maps. There's a bunch of different dice. Well, the dice are always the same, but there's a bunch of different cards that rep- that you can use for each of the dice to make the powers on the dice a little bit different to make the games go on differently every time. 
and I like it. It's probably not the best game in the world, not the deepest game in the world, but it's fun to me, and that's why it's on my list. So my number 90, Cubitos. Yeah, that's not even on like my top 250. I find that really interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think I do like it more than you, though, you, for sure. You do. Like, I think there's, there's it's really cute art, and I think um, since there's a lot of it's effectively dice rolling, people really do like this game. Like, it's a good stepping out, like, next level game for pe- for non-gamers. I, I do think it's cute. Yeah, and I always say if the game has push your luck in it, I'm, I'm going to like it better. So that's probably what happened here, too. <sighs> that is true. I agree. Uh, my number 90 is a deck builder that our friend brought over. We don't own this game, but I the more I play it, the more I think I like it. And that game is Arctic Scavengers. Um, so, again, I don't care about the theme, which is I, – I, I do care about the theme. I just don't care for this theme. That's I think what that I, should just go without saying for most of our list. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually do. I want – I like theme. This one is a theme I don't care about. So, like, I don't know. There's some kind of, like... Post-apocalyptic. Yes, we're living in this post-apocalyptic frozen wasteland. I don't care about that. Um, That's not a... I think... And honestly... Did you say the name of the game? Yes. Arctic Scavengers. Sorry, I missed it. I was looking at the list. Jason, my number 90 is Arctic Scavengers. (laughs) I got it. I got it. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, but this game is about kind of, you're trying to build up your tribe and um, your little tribe of survivors and get things that your tribe needs. I basically ignore that because I hate that theme and pretend it's something else. But as a deck builder, this game is really interesting. Um, There's like, so those are these really, they're good. Sometimes they're not that good. These kind of hidden cards that um, whoever the first player is will see at the beginning of a round. And... Well, everyone, after everyone plays their hand, you can save cards back from your hand to use as a way to fight over the special card to get to put in your deck. And sometimes it's really good. Um, sometimes it's not so great. But you, that whole like bluffing kind of what am I going to save, what am I going to use mechanic, I think is really cool. My favorite thing is knowing the secret information. Like <laughs> I'm just like, ooh, I know what this card is. Like I'm so into it. Um, but it's got like a really tight mechanism of game- cards that you can play. Like if you have tools, you have to have somebody that is able to use said tool. The tool itself doesn't do anything for you. Um, so you're trying to get cards that allow you to use the tools that you have. As well as when you use a card, cards may have multiple different um, actions listed on them. But you can only use the card once for one action. So deciding, do I want to use this card to fight? Do I want to use this card to help me gather, um, like, buy other cards? Or do I want to use this card? My favorite one is where you can go digging through, like, the junk pile and try and get other good stuff to add to your hands. I, Yeah, I think that that's cool. There's a lot of really neat different things i think we played a little bit with the expansion um so like you can get like a tribe leader that gives you um a different kind of power um there are other like additional types of people that you can recruit to be part of your tribe there are also you know different equipment and things that you can do so 
I just, I love deck builders. I wish the art was prettier and the theme was cooler on this, but the game itself is super fun. So my number 90 is Arctic Scavengers. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I'm not sure if it's on my list or not, but I do like it. Did I do justice in describing it? I'm not sure. I felt like I'm like, I don't know if this is how this game plays. Am I saying Yeah. I mean, it's effectively a deck builder. You have to have people to hold your tools, and then whoever you don't use is going to be like a bidding for a special card. Yeah, that's effectively the game. Okay, just making sure. All right, so my number 89 is a game I really like. It'd probably be higher if I played it more, but the theme is just like crazy heavy and hard to bring to the table because it's so heavy of a theme. And it's called Freedom the Underground Railroad. And this is a cooperative game where each player is taking on the role of an abolitionist trying to help slaves get up to Canada to be free before they're caught by slave catchers and ultimately killed. Um, You're trying to rescue more slaves than you lose or get killed to win the game. The game is brutal. Um, It's really hard. There's not enough stuff you can do on your turn. Uh, Every action you make feels like it's the most important action in the world because... You know, you're trying not to lose these little cubes. They're just cubes, but what they represent is just so much more. And it's it's a great game. has awesome art. Um, if you haven't played it, I would recommend at least playing it once. It's really good. It's kind of educational. You can see, like, the routes, and there's a bunch of cards that have information on it. It's really interesting. Um, so, yeah, my number 89, Freedom the Underground Railroad. Yeah, this is in my top 200, obviously, but it is it's – it is a brutal game, but I think that the fact that those decisions feel so tense means the theme is so prevalent in this game. Um, it It is so good. My, it would be higher on mine if we played it more, but it is hard to be like, hey, let's play a game where we might get actual people who are trying to get free from slavery to go back into slavery. Yeah, I mean they abstracted out, so the slaves are like cubes, but still, like you know what they're you know rough. what they symbolize. Yeah, it's yes. it's rough. It's rough. But it is it's such a good game. It's such a good gameplay, and it's so important, I think, to wrestle with those hard things too. My number eighty nine is a game that I kept thinking maybe it should not be this high, but if you include it with its a couple of ex- expansions, I think it absolutely deserves to be eighty nine, and that is Champions of Midgard. Um. We never play this without the Valhalla expansion. Well, we, we use both of them, but yeah, we'll never play it without Valhalla. Valhalla, what's the other expansion? I can't remember. Um, like the mountains or something, something like that. Oh, I don't, I don't know. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we play it with all the expansions. This is one of the few games that we have like the player map for. I mean, we have all of it. And that's where I think this game really sings. Because, as you all know, I like multiple paths of victory. And this game really has it, especially with the extra expansions. Because you can fight the monsters in the sea, you can fight the dragger and the trolls, and or you can go do some rune collecting, or um, you can like go die gloriously in battle and do some set collection with the Valhalla stuff. Like there's just so many things to be done here. Um, and for me, like I like in-game scoring stuff. So there's a route to go that way. Um, or if you really like to roll to resolve combat, that's here. At its core, um, Champions Midgard is a worker placement, Viking themed. Um, you are going around collecting resources for your Vikings so they can go out and fight beasts um and earn glory 
carve runes, build ships, and you got to feed your followers. So there's just all kinds of good stuff in one game. Like, I, I really like that about this game. Um, I like the way it looks. I it's, it's from Gray Fox, and I really like Gray Fox. So all around, like, it's a good epic battle. You go your way, I go mine kind of game. And I just think that's a beautiful thing. So number 89, Champions of Midgard. Yeah, I like this one quite a bit. Um, I'm almost 100% certain that I'll talk about it later. Okay. All right. So my next game, number 88, is a Days of Wonder game. And I'm sure I'm going to have lots of these on my list. But this is one that might be one of the first ones that we got. It's from Bruno Catala, and it's called Five Tribes. So this is effectively a game where you're trying to collect different color meeples using like a Mancala thing, which means you're going to pick up all the meeples from one space, and then you're going to drop um, meeples down on adjacent spaces until you get to the end. The last meeple that you drop and the color that it is fires off the action that you get to take. So there's like six different actions. You can um, collect white meeples to recruit genies. There's yellow ones that are going to score points. There's red ones that are like assassins that will kill other peoples. There's green that gives you money. And then there's a blue one that does something that I can't remember. Um, And you're just trying to score the most points or money. And you're trying to recruit these different genies, which are going to give you like special abilities and powers to help you along your journey to put down camels, put down oasis, put down... Uh, palm trees or castles so you can try to again score more points it's an interesting game it's not hard to play but it has a lot of rules so it has a really nice player aid that guides you along the way Uh, there's some bidding for turn order that's kind of interesting not necessary but just adds to the experience a little bit so my number 988 five tribes i have lots to say about this um but the fact that i like it probably 30 more times than you means i will talk about it later (laughs) Um, my number 88 is a game I think you talked about last week. I did. It was my number 100. Okay. I like this one more than you because I like interactive kind of games like this. And that game is Ladies and Gentlemen. I wish we played this more um, because it's just so fun. When everybody gets it, um, it makes for a really good time. So you're playing in partners one plays a lady, one plays a gentleman. Like Jason mentioned last week, ladies are trying to put together the best looking outfit for the ball. Gentlemen are trying to fund that. Um, that's pretty much it. So that that really can lend itself since it's a fairly simple, as far as I, in my personal experience, it's a fairly simple game. The ladies, in my opinion, the ladies side is role is actually harder than the gentleman but it lends itself to a lot of acting and storytelling and making things up and oh will you please buy this for me husband and like how dare you not pay for this or you know what do you think we're made of money like I just it's fun we play this once and uh, one of our friends started talking to British accent I don't know why we never it's never stipulated that these are British people he just went with it and I'm like okay um, but this is the kind of game that goes for that. It's fun. It's funny, especially if you take it in the right lighthearted way. Um, on the ladies' side, you're actually doing quite a bit where you kind of have your own storefront that you get discounts at if you're the only one that goes to a particular store. So you get like the exclusive, um, which is which is really nice. 
And then you're trying to like balance like designers because you can only have so many. You are doing a drafting with anyone else that ended up at the same store as you. So you might get some. I mean, there's just lots of different ways to approach this game. And that's why I like it. So my number 88, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I don't think it takes place in Britain. I think it's America, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we just went off the rails, I think, that time. We, we definitely did. But it was fun. <laughs> uh, my number 87 is a game that, I don't know, probably a lot of people don't like, but I think, actually, I know I hate theme, but I think the theme may attract me on this one a little bit more, and it's called Thrash and Roll. And this is a dice placement game where you're taking on the role of like a Polish thrash metal band, and you're trying to um, get better at your instruments, get better instruments, record singles, record albums, go on the radio to promote said singles and albums, and ultimately going on tour with the most popular band in Poland called Turbo. Um, it's, it's effectively, you take a die of a value, you're either going to do a pair or like a run. So you either use the same face of die or like a two, three, four, whatever, go to a space. And based on how many dice you put down there is the power of the space you're trying to get. You're trying to, the higher your singles chart, the higher your albums chart, the more points you're going to get. And you're just trying to end the game by being the most prestigious band. Uh, there's some cards that you can get that are going to give you like scandals, like somebody will take a picture of you cooking pancakes in your fuzzy slippers and you'll, if you can't get rid of that, you're going to lose some points. It's a silly theme, but I really like it. And my number 87 thrash and roll. Yeah. Fresh and roll is my top 200. It's surprisingly kind of crunchy for a game where you're just rolling dice, but to decide where those can go and how you can make the most of it to help out your rock band is, is good. Like it's hard. It's a good game. My number 87 is a game I haven't played in a while, but it's a game that I both like and I'm frustrated by. <laughs> and that game is Recreators. The artwork is really cute and pretty in this. Um, you are divers. I mean, that's pretty. And you're going to shipwrecks and you are raiding them. Oh, it's aptly named. Imagine that. <laughs> so, like, the cool thing about this is you use the box lid to roll your dice, to roll these dice in. And so you can get little bonuses based on where the dice land. Um, you have these really adorable little diver player pieces that allow you to go to different places around the wreck. But if you go too close to other divers, then they also get stuff. So you're trying to to not help them out while helping yourself out. You're also making these cool aquariums as like a set collection thing. Um, you have multiple set collection things, really. Yeah, that's all it is, a set collection. <laughs> In different ways. So it's like dice drafting. Um, worker placement, and then you're doing these different types of set collection, displaying your treasures in museum exhibits, um, trading in some, like, I think it's like shells and starfish to get these different aquarium pieces to give you points as well. Um, just gathering loot. And I love that theme. I love, like, the little cool, chunky workers. Like, there's just a lot of stuff to like about this game. It's really fun. I don't know that it gets talked about really enough, but it's just a good game. So that's my number 88 is Rec Raiders. Yeah, I do like this one. Uh, it may be showing up in, in a little bit. Uh, my number 86 is a game that we just got this year as well. And I've played it two or three times since then. 
and I like it. And it's called Jinja. Or I don't know how to say it, but we're going to call it Jinja. And um, what you're doing in this game is it's a worker placement game. And you're trying to... We're, this is Japan, right? Is that right? I don't know. Okay, well, I'm going to say Japan. And if it's not Japan, I apologize. But you're trying to uh, go use these workers to ultimately collect resources to build these different it's pagodas so it's probably japan these different pagodas oh, mm-hmm. in these regions to score like an area control so it's area yes. control kind of but it's not as mean as some area control and it's you're playing over five rounds so it doesn't you know you're not getting beat around for a while by people slapping you around stealing your places so you're just trying to collect resources to build these cool pagodas there's some event cards that happen each round to jazz it up or make it a little bit harder um, and you're, you got some a bunch of in-game goals that you can get, which will help you score points based on where you put pagodas in different regions or if you built certain types of pagodas because they're small, medium, and large. It's got a lot going on, but it looks really nice on the table, and it's not super difficult to play, but it gives you enough to think about, and that's why I like it. So my number 86, Jinja. Yeah, this is like, I think, number 150 on my list just because I haven't played it as much. It's like really tight, and I... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't jump right with Japan because I had forgotten a little bit about this game because it's even labeled by like areas of Japan, like the cards you get where you need to build, like Hokkaido or Honshu. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah, I couldn't remember the, the city names. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I know this game. It is like I felt like the time we played it, it was hard because everything is really tight. You have such a limited amount of turns. Um, and I only played it two. I don't even know what it would be like. At higher player counts, because already so tight at two. I played it at three, and it actually doesn't feel as tight at three because mm. there's more spaces there, which was interesting. But yeah. it, I didn't feel as as confined as I did in the two player game. Interesting. Yeah, I'd like to play this more. I think it might be higher on mine if I did. My number eighty six is a game that we have played the crap out of, and everyone I think that we've had play it really likes it because who doesn't love camel races my number 86 is camel up um if you haven't heard us talk about it before where have you been but you are basically spectators at a camel race and you are betting on who's going to be the fastest camel in the leg who's going to be the fastest camel in the entire race who's going to be the slowest camel in the entire race you're also um depending on if you play we play with some of the expansions where there's a little bit of a longer race. You can take pictures of the camel for points. Um, you're also like getting some points. But the best thing is the fact that you have dice inside this pyramid. And you get to release them in order to see how far the camels go. It's totally push your luck. It's um, There's a lot of randomness. But then also a lot of like, okay, well, what camel can go? Who still is left? And if that camel stacks one, that camel, like which camel's going to be first? Uh, just a lot of a lot of fun in a really pretty easy game. So my number 86 is Camel Up. Yeah, this is a good game. And I'm going to put this out. If anybody knows where I can find the playmat that's a bigger board and has an additional expansion on it, you know where to find me. No one's answered my pleas for the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> juggalo oh, expansion so who knows yeah, maybe yeah, we'll have better luck with camel up maybe uh my number 85 now i can actually put it on the list because it's officially out and no one can give me garbage about it and it is called lawyer up two player only card game where one player is taking on the role of the defense one player is taking on the role of the prosecution 
and you're basically trying to prove your side's case and win the jury in your favor. Ultimately, how that plays out is it's like a little tug-of-war card game. You're playing these cards down that have different icons on them, and you have to play a card based on some of the icons that you played down in the first card. So if I play a card down that has a skull and like a weapon on it, the next card I play has to have one of those weapons or I can't play it. And I'm also trying to play cards that sway the jury in my favor because if I have a higher value on my side than you, I can do some manipulation of the jury. And if I can win all the jury, if I'm the prosecution, I win. If you're the defense and you can at least keep one person unsure, then you'll win. It's it's interesting. There's a little more to it than that, but that's at the heart of the game. That's what you're trying to do. But it's clever. I've never played a game like it. And I like the theme. The theme is interesting and hasn't been done a ton. So my number 85, Lawyer Up. Yes. I talked about it last week. It's a good game. And I'd, I'd like to play more of it because we also have like additional scenarios that we haven't played yet. So. Yeah, I want to try the uh, Witch Trials and, oh, I guess Godfather 2 is in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. My number 85 is a game that I'm still not sure I like, even though it's number 85 on my list. I got to be honest. I think it's this high because it just it just get, it just messes with my brain. And that game is Alchemist. Um, there's even an expansion to the sucker, and I no. I don't know why you need that. <laughs> why this game is so hard? So you play as an alchemist trying to kind of like find like the secrets to these different types of ingre- of like potions. So there's so a big part of the game is deduction, where you're trying to figure out what two ingredients form a particular potion. Um, the part of the game I don't like is the board. Like, <laughs> you, you're supposed to, like, publish your finding theories to get points and stuff. I don't like that. Mostly because I'm not good at that. Yeah, I agree. I, that's that's the weakest part, 100%. But that's how you get all the points. <laughs> right. I just want to, like, do this deduction thing. The, the parts I do like is they're... The board also contains worker placement. So you can get more ingredients to gather more ingredients to test with. You can sell some potions, try to make some money because you got to pay people to actually test your potions. I mean, you can test them on yourself, but you could like have to send yourself to the hospital and then you need to pay for the hospital and it's just bad times. So I really like that part of it. That the theory is part is part that I hate, but you're trying to build up your reputation and that'll convert into points and you're trying to to like get these secrets figured out. That's the part that really gets into my brain, like trying to figure these secrets out. The first time I played it, I lost horribly. I couldn't figure out what I was doing and I thought, I am stupid. And then I played it again and I was like, okay, I totally get this. I... <laughs> I don't know. The second time I was your only opponent, so that usually helps. That, I know. That's, a, that's an ego booster for sure. So then I'm like, well, maybe I am stupid, and I just can't really play with other people except for Jason. Like, I don't know what's going on. Because <laughs> if you're stupid, I'm real stupid. No, I, I honestly think it's because you just give me so much confidence to be myself that <laughs> I just do so well at games with you. That's That's your nice way of saying, yeah, you are real stupid. It's not. <laughs> but I, I feel like it, it's it has like a smartphone app, which is really cool to kind of randomize the game. And so you don't have to like keep track 
have someone keep track of what different elements make what different potions and stuff. Um, yeah, so I'm like both bad and good at this game. I don't know. There's just something about that balance that intrigues me. So that's why my number 85 is Alchemist. Yeah, I like this one. I think I, it's higher on my list, I believe. I'm awful at it, but I do like the way that it works. I like the worker placement. I like the way it all goes together. I just hate having to publish the findings because that's stupid. If we could do something other than that there, I would like this game better and probably want to play it more. And it like burns my brain real bad. It does. All right, so my number 85, I was looking at the wrong one, uh, is a game that we <laughs> played for a while, a lot, and then we haven't played it for a while, and last time I played it, I did so bad that, like, I haven't played a game this badly in a long time, but the game is Agricola, and this is, everybody knows what Agricola is, it's a worker placement game where you're trying to grow vegetables, uh, you're getting jobs, you're trying to just upgrade your house, get animals and pins so they can have babies to score the most points. The trick with this one is you got to be able to do everything because if you can't do something, you're going to lose some points. And you also have to feed your people. And if you can't feed your people, you're going to take out this beggar card, which is like negative four points or something. And if you do that three or four times in the game, you're not going to win. So just don't do that. Um, but Agricola is a good game. Uh, it has art that I like, the boring farming art farming theme which i kind of enjoy the game is hard it there's so much you need to do but you can't do it because you don't have enough workers to do it um it's everything that i like in a euro game outside aside from feeding your people because i don't really love that mechanism but everything else i like it quite a bit so my number 84 agricola i like this game just a little bit better than you so we may revisit next week um yeah and i'll tell you why the reason that I like it, which is completely shallow. Because <laughs> you can play with the little people, the little meeples. Yeah, I know. I get it. It's true. Uh, my number 84 is another game that you can play with the I, the tokens in it. And that game is Celestia. Um, I always feel like this is a big party game, but it's really only up to six players. I don't know if the expansions. Uh, I don't think it does. I don't think the expansion adds anybody. Um, But this is a game where you're all in airship and... You have cards with different colors on them, and each turn there's a new captain. The captain rolls the dice, and you have to decide if the captain can play those color cards and keep your ship afloat. Uh, it's So it's like push your luck. There's some like interesting card play, hand management, and plus there's this cute like cardboard airship with a propeller that you can spin and hop around to these islands at any point you can hop off the airship if you're like i'm not confident in the captain and you can collect some point cards and it's a race to what 20 no 50 50 oh i don't win this very often so i don't know what the point value is it's a race to 50 points and you can get that i mean obviously the higher the further along you go in the track the higher the points are at those islands there are a couple of expansions i think we only have one no we have both oh okay we have both which also adds some like fun little things that you can do with the game I, again it's already fun it's like a pretty small table presence i actually remember we went out for my sister's sister-in-law's birthday at um giordano's which famously takes a long time for the pizza cook because it's super deep dish so we brought this game and played at the restaurant because we had time and didn't take up a bunch of table space and it was really easy just to play with the cards it's a fun i think family game 
it's you don't there's some kind of bluffing to it which i think is interesting and the artwork is super pretty and of course you get to play with the airship so my number 84 is celestia yeah i like this one i don't know if it's higher i it might be but yeah this is a game we played a lot just because it's it's in a small box and you can play it anywhere but it's really good all right so my number 83 i keep forgetting that my number starts the new number um is a game that you already talked about in this episode and what? it's called Re- rec raiders yeah i like i like this game for every all the reasons you said um i love set collection i like the worker placement i like the drafting of the die that tells me which spots i'm able to go to um it looks amazing um it even uses the box lid as part of the the game where you're rolling the dice in the box lid and if the die touches this bonus that bonus will go on that die spot it's it's fantastic the art is amazing, production is amazing, and it's just a fun game. We've played this one a lot, and honestly, we haven't played it in a while, which is probably why it's so low, because I forget how much fun I have playing it when I play it. So my number 83, Rec Raiders. Yeah, I forgot to mention the scoring track at the end. You have these little crabs that mark your scores, and they're really cute. Oh, yeah, those are cute, yeah. <laughs> my number 83 is The Networks. Um, we bought this game quite a while ago and I like it because I think the theme is so great and it does the theme well. So you are the owner of a TV network and you are putting different shows on in your primetime spots. You want to get shows that people like, you want to get good stars on those shows. You want to get ads that are going to give you revenue for those shows in order to get the most viewership. Um, I think that is so fun. The gameplay itself is pretty easy. Like on each turn, it's like, okay, pick a show, you know, or pick a star or pick an ad. Now generate revenue, move your spots around. Like it's pretty clear cut, but the choices are fun. We have the Teletime expansion, which gives you more um, like parodied shows and stars to use, which I think makes it even fun. And we got the new executives expansion, which I don't know if we've played with yet. We, yeah, no, we haven't played that yet. Um, but that gives you like specific player powers as a network executive, and I'm excited to try that out. Um, this is from Formal Ferret, which I think is a really fun company name. And this this game is super fun. It's it's like a little bit more complex than a really basic kind of game. But since people really understand that concept of putting a show in a time slot and wanting stars on it and wanting ads. I feel like it's really easy to teach this game to people because the theme is so accessible. And that's another reason why it's really so high on my list. So number 83 is the networks. Yeah, I like this one. Uh, We also have the little two-player one. Not as good, but not bad. If I'm going to play the game, I'm probably just going to play this one as (laughs) two-player. Yeah, if we had never played the original, then sure. The two-player, what is it called? Rival, Rival networks, networks, yeah. Then Rival Networks would be fine. And if you were like, oh, I really only play with one other person, so sure. Rival Networks, go for it. Still really good game. But, um, gosh, I, yeah, the full networks is super good. And, and it is, I, in my opinion, easy to teach people. Yeah, it's, it's, it is pretty easy. Uh, my number 82 is a game from our buddy PDB, Philip DuBerry. PDB. And it's one of the, I think, Maybe the first game that we got of his. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's called Spirits of the Rice Paddy. Um, this is a it's game. It's not the first Revolution was. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because this actually got picked up at like a 
a Black Friday sale or something. <laughs> like uh, we do. Yeah. And uh, what you're doing in this is you're taking on the role of a farmer growing mm-hmm. rice, but there's spirits. And I think they're ball, Bali spirit. Is this in Bali? Where, I don't know where this takes place, but there's these spirits that are helping you in your quest to make the best rice. I don't know why the rice patties are haunted, but whatever. Um, and you're, tr- uh, you're trying to grow rice cause rice is points, but you're also using the rice to end up buying, hiring more workers to get some animals to help you get bugs out of the, the patties and fertilize the patties, move rocks so you can build fences. So you're producing rice and then you're using the rice to do other things. And you're trying to end the game with the most points. There's this other cool mechanism where the water that comes down starts at the first player. It trickles down all of their patty and then it goes to all other players. So if the first player is using a lot of water, the other players are not going to get a lot of water, which is interesting. It's an interesting mechanism that isn't done in a ton of games. And I think for good reason, because it is frustrating, but I like it. So we don't play this a ton because the rule book's garbage. And every time I get it out, I have to relearn it from BGG. And I, I, I don't like that as much, but, when you can figure it out, the game is fun. So my number 82, Spirits of the Rice Patty. Yeah, I think this is a little bit lower on my list. It is set in Bali and it is about these Balinese spirits. And it's not that the patty's haunted. It's I know. They're, they're calling working, on spirits to help. They're working with the spirit world to help them have this abundant harvest. I like haunted better. Haunted, haunted rice patties. Sure. <laughs> my number 82... It's not about haunted rice patties or unhaunted ones. It's a fairly new game, and we have already referenced this IP more than once today, and that is Marvel United. So Marvel United is a co-op game um, where you and everyone else take on the role of Marvel superheroes where you're fighting against some baddies. You're doing this through card play from your actual kind of personalized deck that... Most of you have the same kinds of actions you can do, um, but there's a couple cards that are specific to your certain character, which I think is cool. Um, and so you play a card on your turn. Now, not only do you get your card's actions, you also get the actions of the card played before you from another character. So you're really working together um, to try and move around the different locations in the city. You are saving... Um, civilians you are beating up baddies and ultimately trying to thwart these villains in their master plan it's actually a really fairly simple game as far as playing is concerned i mean you play a card and you do the actions on the your card and the card before but it is tense because you want to use actions that are going to help you, but also help the person after you. And in the meantime, you know, Red Skull or Taskmaster or whatever is doing their best um, to just beat up on people, beat up on you, take over the city. But it's for me, it's a very family weight accessible kind of um i don't know fighting game in some ways because nearly everyone knows the marvel universe um the actual play itself is easy i feel like the nature of the the co-op here helps you really work together with other people and so if a newer person playing is not sure i think 
that's a nice way to kind of help show them to make their own decisions and also how their other decision their their decisions affect other things in a game. Um, and plus, the artwork is chibis, and it's freaking adorable. Like Red Skull is the cutest little chibi guy I've ever seen. I'm like, I, how can you even be evil? You're so adorable. I just I, I like it. So that's and there's like a not a bajillion expansions, but. There's a lot. Chris showed me the box. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot. Um, my problem, and so that there comes my one problem, is the fact that, like, I love X-Men. But it's not like you can just get an X-Men expansion. It's like a whole nother game. I mean, I think you can, mi- you can mix them and pull people out, but they're separate. So that's a, if you want to get the other players... It's it's kind of a monetary investment, but like this gets the crap played out of it. Just because some people are like, "Ooh, I love Marvel," and okay, you you don't play a lot of games. Well, we'll work on it together, and I think that's what's really great. So it plays up to four. Yeah, we played it at five one time. Not recommended, but yeah, it goes to four. But yeah, it's just a good game, and I am actually interested in getting some of the other expansions myself, particularly X Men. But my number eighty-two, Marvel United. Yeah, I talked about this last week. Um, I like it. You did? It's yeah, I did. Sorry. It's it's not the it's not the best cooperative game in the world, but it's fun, and we've played it a lot because it's accessible. Everybody knows Marvel, and it's easy to teach and easy to play. So. That's probably why it made my list, too, because it's just, it's just a good game. Yes. All right, so the last one I'm going to talk about, I think it's the first Feld that's made my list. I say first because there's going to be many, 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 many more. Mine, too. And um, this one is Notre Dame. Now, I've only played this one two or three times, but every time I play it, I'm like, man, I need to play this more because it's so good. Effectively, what this game is, is it's a little mini card draft. Um, you're going to have a hand, I think, of three cards each round. And you're going to keep one of your cards and you're going to pass it. And if you're playing with multiple players, you're not going to see everybody's cards because you're only ever going to end with three cards. And on your turn, you're going to play one of these cards and you're going to put a cube in this location of the card that you play. And the cubes are going to do certain things. Like they may give you other cubes from the supply so you have more cubes to play. They may decrease your rats that are going to come because every round there's going to be a plague that comes and rats are going to take over. And you need to make sure you're not overrun by rats. It may give you just money. It may... um, um, give you influence in Notre Dame, which gives you points. It may let you move this carriage around the map, which will let you collect these little tiles, which are basically extra points. As in true felt fashion, everything is points. So it's just an interesting way to do card drafting in kind of an area control piece, but not feel like it's card drafting in area control. So it's it feels different than a lot of other games, which is why I like it. And it has nice tan colors, which I also appreciate. And they don't try to get they don't try to get fancy with the bits. It's just cubes the way it should be. Keep it simple. It's what I like. So my number ninety eighty one is Notre Dame. You're having a lot of trouble with numbers today. <laughs> I, I can't read. I'm looking right at the thing. And I just can't read it. <laughs> um, I think I've played this once. I don't know if you have or not. Actually, I don't. I don't know either because if I have played it once. I don't remember it very well. I, I don't think you have. I think I've played this with Brandon and Brandon and Josie. So I don't think you've played it. Because I, I am a Feld fan, actually, to be honest. You might so, like this one. It's pretty interesting. So I need to give it a go, but you will not see it on my list because I don't think I've played it. 
Um, my number 81 and the last game we're talking about today is a deduction game. And this is a fairly recent addition to our collection, but it's good. And that game is Awkward Guess. And so in Awkward Guess, um, the main character knew he was going to die. So he gets you and whoever else is playing and says, hey, I've already narrowed it down to the suspects, the people that are most likely to kill me off. Wait a minute. This story sounds familiar. Like Mm. Clue. Interesting. (laughs) And there's going to be weapons around the house. I'm going to tell you what they are and where they are around this mansion. However, the police actually do show up for this one. Oh, yeah, that's true. They do. So he's dead. And you are going around to talk to the suspects. You're questioning the household staff. You're looking at the crime scene. You're searching for clues around the mansion. You've got police reports that are going to give you some different pieces of evidence. So you're trying to figure out who killed Mr. Walton. That's the name. Who invited Mr. you there? Mr. Body. Um, how did How was he killed? Why did the murderer kill him? And if you played the more difficult like settings on the game, you figure out if there was an accomplice. Um, so this is a really, this this game has an interesting, like I forget what they call it, this kind of card system where there are like infinite possibilities for replay and I don't understand how the system does it. But there's all these cards in the box and they're all numbered. And there's an app. You can, I think there's also, it also tells you in the book, in the rules book too. But there's an app that you say, okay, I want to play this this level of difficulty and it's like easy easy medium hard and expert i think i think there's four different levels um and they tell you which cards to pull so you pull them you mix them up uh every player gets like six cards and that's what you know and that's how you start so then you're moving around when you move into a uh, like a different room which you know very clue like But then you say, okay, I want to know information about this. It can be a suspect. It can be a particular, um, like, the room that you're in. Or I think it can be, um, so you say, okay, I'm I'm interested in looking at these two things. Then the rest of the players can offer you cards they have. But they're not just giving them up for free. Each card has a, a particular point value to it, one, two, or three. And so you have to trade your information of the same value back, which I think is a really cool mechanism. So because so you don't have to take all the information that people offer you, because that means you're giving up what you have. Um, also, people don't have to offer you up information. But if they don't, you get to pull from what's left in the main deck of clues. And now you've got new information that nobody else has. So there's this really fine, like, give and take as far as how information is traded and gained. Um, And you're going around trying to solve the mystery. The thing is, some suspects are lying. So if you're doing an easier level, um, the one who's lying is the killer. But you have to determine who is lying. Um, I and tracing the path, where could they have gone through in order to get to Mr. Walton, the place where he was killed, and pick up the weapon that they used. It, it's a really neat take, I think, on deduction. And the fact that you can just play it and play it and play it, you don't have to like hide the secret envelope. I mean, there is, I think, 
they tell you which one? Well, if, I, if you play with the app, if you get it wrong, then nobody's out. But if you don't play with right. the app, then you're out of the game. Which that's the nice thing about the app on this one is I actually find it useful um, to tell you what cards to pull. And then you can make a guess and not get knocked out of the game and keep playing. Um, I, yeah, it's just a, it's a cool game. I just really like it. So my number 81 is Awkward Guess. Yeah, I do like it. I'm not sure if it's on my list, but. It's enjoyable. I'm terrible at it. But I did look at the app while you were talking, and there's seven different difficulties from oh beginner gosh. to perfect crime. So Whoa. that's a lot of different difficulties. That is. I've never played perfect crime. I'm going to lay that out right now. No way. I, I will never play that. I'll sit that one out. I can barely do beginner. That's not true. Beginner's pretty easy. <laughs> no, it's not easy. I don't know that I've played it since I've played it with different people every time. I'd like to play it with a group of people that I normally try to solve crimes with. <laughs> Sounds like I have a club like we're Scooby-Doo. Um, so next time I sit down with Daphne and Velma, I'd like to play the harder ones where there is an accomplice. So you've got two people kind of lying, which makes up the difficulty even more. Yuck. I would be. I'm out on that one. Yuck. <laughs> so those are numbers 90 to 100. Let's give you a quick or not 90 to 100, 90 to 81, because we're counting backwards. You rubbed up off on me now. That's true. I, I did. I, I ruined it. <laughs> Let's do a quick recap of our 90 to 81. All right. So my number 90 is Cubitos. Oh, skipped a lot. Uh, my number 89 is Freedom the Underground Railroad. My number 88 is Five Tribes. My number 87 is Thrash and Roll. My 86 is Ginja. 85, Lawyer Up. 84, Agricola, 83, Rec Raiders, 82, Spirits of the Rice Paddy, and 81, Notre Dame. My number 90 is Arctic Scavengers, 89, Champions of Midgard, with the expansions. 88, Ladies and Gentlemen, 87, Rec Raiders, 86, Camel Up, 85, Alchemist, 84, Celestia, 83, The Networks, 82, Marvel United, and number 81, Awkward Guess. It's a good list there. Only one crossover on this week, but there were a few from last week. So, you know, not quite 40 games, but you're looking at like 34. We're getting close. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like as we get higher up, we're going to have more crossovers, but... Yeah, uh, I I think that's a given. I think that's a given. (laughs) This is the two of us playing. So because it's the two of us and we play games with each other a lot and we share a board game collection by virtue of our marital status... We definitely want to hear what your favorite games are, what your top 100. Um, if, you've, uh, if you've never done a top 100, check it out. Jason actually, I think, exports his list of games played from his BGG tracker. And then you can load that into um, Pub Meeple's in ranking engine. So I, I did see, I think it was Scott, who said what his top five games were. And that's awesome. I'd love to see even more. If you want to track along with us and tell us what your 90 to 81 games are, that would be awesome. Or if you just want to do your top five, your top 10, maybe you've only got 10 games. So rank those. Um, We just love to hear from you guys. Come to us on Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, you have to join hashtag the riveted our Facebook group. I've been trying to shout out people that show up in there for the first time. But that's not to ignore all the people that have been faithfully commenting on there since probably the beginning of that group. Um, There are people that are always jumping in, answering questions, giving feedback, having a good time, just talking about games, keeping it friendly, 
not political, not trolling, just good people talking about good games. I love it. Um, Also, you know, if you are into the picture realm, check out our Instagram and send us pictures. Also, the Twitter. Um, I don't understand Twitter, but one of my old college friends just uh, followed us on Twitter and like just said a shout out. And actually, he was one of the one of the earliest influences on my board gaming hobby. So I won't say his name here, but I don't know if he even listens to the podcast. I hope so um, because he's such a good friend and he is into good games as well. Uh, so if you, if you understand Twitter, Jason does check that and then he tells me about it. So up your hashtag game and talk about your top 100 there as well. And there's always YouTube. Um, like, subscribe, follow us on YouTube. We've got a decent YouTube following. And Jason is always pumping out the videos. I keep saying that I need to make some videos and I haven't yet. Um, maybe once there's a, <laughs> once this semester is over, I'll make some videos. I, I, need, I need to do it. I need to do it. Yeah, or yeah, I, yeah. maybe I don't need to do it. So just tell me if you don't <laughs> need to make videos and I'll keep not doing it. You'll get there. Um, and as always, check out our friends over at the Board Game Rundown. Uh, they just dropped some really good YouTube videos, reviews of stuff that hasn't been reviewed, like Unfathomable and Vagrant Song. So if you want to see some new hotness and games that we'll never cover on our channel, go check them out. They will show you what the games are like that we don't like. So, yeah. Yeah, there's some good dudes. It's a total sausage party over there, but they do <laughs> cover those kind of games that we're not into. So... I have I mean, so many things to say, but this is a, a family <laughs> podcast, so I'll just keep it to myself. It is a family podcast. <laughs> um, but we like everybody over there but Dan, so check out some of their videos. Um, they also do like a weekly topic, and they just covered spooky games like we did. Some of their choices were asinine and <laughs> left out a lot of good stuff, but hey, they're trying, man, and we want to support that. And the Vagrant Song video is really good because Dan's not in it, if you want to go check that one out. (laughs) Hey! There you go. Uh, All right. Well, I think we've made enough mess of this week. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of, it's been a rough one, guys. So if you listen to the end, thank you. Thank you for either having low standards or just bearing with us. (laughs) Or both. (laughs) Or both. Yes. We appreciate that, too. Oh, okay. Well, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.